Hello and welcome to the Hill Stories podcast, a space to tell the God stories unique to the people at Chapel Hill Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. I'm your host, David Wilson. I'd like to thank you for tuning in again to Hill Stories. Today we are talking to Marcio Torre. He is an orthopedic physician currently based in Puyallup. I actually don't know much about you or your story, so this is going to be a learning experience for me as well. Mm-hmm. Where would you like to begin? I think what's important for people to know is a little bit about my background. Okay. Um, you know, I was diagnosed with three different types of cancer in December 18th, 2018, um, colon, colon cancer, which had metastasized the liver, and I didn't know that. I knew I had cancer based on my abnormal bowel habits and uh, what was shocking was not the diagnosis of the adenocarcinoma but what was shocking was the stage it was stage four which oh had spread goodness. to the liver and so through MRIs and CT scans then we had an incidental finding found on the prostate and I discovered later that I had on a Gleason scale of 10 it was a Gleason score of 9 out of 10 which was very aggressive high volume tumor and I just had the surgery what eight weeks ago so that's a little bit about my background it was I was on chemo for 10 months last year and I never lost any of my silky smooth hair I've noticed that and I'm rather (laughs) jealous but okay (laughs) so um, last year was a real trial for me I've never gone anything gone through anything like that I I mean I there was no strong family history of cancer in my family and uh, so that's a little bit and then I'll, um, what I want to share with you today is really the evolution of the walk with Christ, as it had pertained to me all through 2019. Cancer is prevalent right now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of diseases that are prevalent right now, but that sounds like it was especially aggressive. Yeah, it was. And I'm guessing that at the time you didn't have a great prognosis. It's interesting you say that. I, I had, in my mind, I, I wanted to be the outlier. Okay. And I thought that I'm going to find a way to get through this, but with God, not based on my own strength. And so for me, I had to find a way to really trust God because I had I didn't know that I was being painted into a corner where I was being moved from a position of believing in God to being pushed to trusting in God. And this was a huge challenge for me. And um, I had a lot of people through the support of this church who were on their knees praying for me and I didn't understand what was really going on I just wanted to find a way to get through this and so then began my journey with Christ one of the pastor who had married Nicole and I my wife from a church in uh, Santa Barbara in California where I met Nicole it was out of Santa Barbara Community Church and he gave me a pamphlet here called don't waste your cancer and he was shocked to find out that I had this disease state and there are about 10 bullet points in here that really resonate with me and one of them was you know we waste our cancer if we seek comfort from our odds rather than from God we waste our cancer if we refuse to think about death and I didn't realize that 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 was a real outcome possibility for me we waste our cancer if we think that beating cancer means staying alive rather than cherishing Christ So I didn't know what that really meant. And so I was now on a journey to discover, you know, what is a relationship with Christ really look like? I had been going to church for 17, 18 years. Someone had led me to faith in Christ when I was in medical school. 
one of my great friends, and that was in 2001. So he and I subsequently got baptized in 2002. Okay. And, um, you know, most people think they're saved. I certainly thought I was saved at that moment from that act, from the baptism. I could point specifically to a specific date and time, but when you look at my life as a whole, I was a hypocrite. I was all over the place. There was not a lot of consistency in my walk with Christ, and I didn't know what it meant to have Jesus Christ as Lord in my life, to be quite frank with you. He was just a Savior to me, okay. and I didn't understand what, what is this all about. So cancer shook me up because it was very sobering for me, especially when I read this here. It says we waste our cancer if we don't believe it's designed for us by God, and we waste our cancer if we believe it's a curse and not a gift. So I had to have a mind shift change to explore this on a deeper level because the outcome of dying was real for me. Because you have to keep in mind, I had two cancers that were active. I could only get the surgery done to remove the cancer from my sigmoid colon and the liver first. Okay. So I had to wait nine months just to attack the prostate later. Mm. So. Even though in March, when my surgery took place, I knew I still had active disease in my body with the prostate, and um, it, was, it was very aggressive, I'm not going to lie to you. And so for the people who are listening, where am I at right now, just to give you a fast forward, all three surgeries were successful, my tumor markers are well within the normal range, okay. and I have a lot to thank for, okay? So I'm, I'm grateful. And um, I'm thriving. I'm not just doing well. I'm thriving. And you still have a great head of hair. But I, I <laughs> but coming back, coming. Let's come back. Um, you know, we're talking about don't waste your cancer. And I didn't want to waste this. I had to examine myself in my relationship with Christ. Okay. And so for me, this began a journey to investigate what does a relationship with Christ look like for me. And so this pamphlet was just a catalyst that would launch into quiet reflections. I had never journaled before, so I brought my journal here today to share with you. This was intended just for my wife, because I wanted this to be a legacy to share for my children and her, because I didn't know what my outcome was going to be. And um, I never thought I was going to share this with anybody. So one of the things here says, you know, we waste our cancer if we fail to use it as a means of witness to the truth and glory of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so this is a segue into what I want to share with you, which is really going to be if you don't mind reading my journal, I began to evaluate my, you know, relationship from the beginning when it started in 2001. And, you know, I began to really honestly evaluate, you know, am I saved? Because these were real questions now. I mean, I'm standing at, here's death as a possibility for me. Three major, yes. seriously aggressive cancers. Any one of which? I could kill me. Yes. And, um... So, I, I, you know, I don't think it's enough if we just merely believe and receive Jesus for salvation. I think the key act for me was to respond to repentance, and I didn't know what that meant. And now when I look back at this, these notes, it says here, repentance is a turning away from sin, and we must count the cost. And I certainly did. Um, what, what does repentance look like? I started reading the Bible, and I started reading the, you know, four Gospels, and the scariest verse for me in the Bible was in Matthew 7, verse 21, where it says, Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, 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 will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. 
And on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and performed many miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. So that was sobering for me. And I, I thought, you know, here I am knocking on heaven's door, possibly, who knows. And I'm thinking, my goodness, how, what do I have to do? You know, I can believe and receive, and I've been going to church now 18, 18 years, but there was no real consistency in the walk. I felt like I was a hypocrite. I was casual with sin, even made provision for sin. And I don't think this is how someone who's supposed to be a true disciple of Christ is supposed to act and behave. And so for me, I made a conscious decision that I, you know, I began praying to God, if this is, if you're real, show me. And I don't want to cry right now, but I found myself weeping and I couldn't understand what was happening to me. And I was confessing sin. And I only now and after reflection, I began to recognize that repentance in itself was a gift from God. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, even in my strongest desire, want to choose him. When I reflect on John 15 and it says there clearly that, you know, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And so... I don't think in my wildest dreams I would ever move to choose God. And what a privilege it is to be grafted into his family, but he gave me this gift of repentance to move towards salvation. And so I found myself confessing a lot of sins to Pastor Mark Toon, moving through the process of, you know, having and restoring a relationship with God. Because that was the key. I wasn't sinning against my brother, mother, sister, or wife. It was me sinning against God. And so I had to repair a relationship that I think was broken with him. Okay. Does that make sense? It does make sense. What was the next step for you? I began journaling. I wanted to document everything that year in 2019. So I began by videotaping the day I was diagnosed. And I made a decision to make a movie of last year for 2019 because I was thinking, okay, this is going to have to be a legacy for my children. Right. And I want them to remember me because I don't know if they will. Um, you know, I don't want them just to see me on photos, but to have a, 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 a conversation with them, but through video as a platform. And then I started journaling uh, my relationship with God through this process. And I'm glad I did it. I was hinting at, you know, my conversion. And one of the things here I started doing, I made up this acronym, you know, characteristics for a false convert or false conversion. And I Using the word false, I thought of at least five different elements in my walk. And I'm not talking about other people, but I had to make this specific for me. What elements in my life would I, you know, can I be critical in? And I thought, you know, I look back and reflect. It was a very fast result after an altar call. So that's the F there in false. I don't, I don't think I weighed the cost of coming to faith in Christ. I think it was an emotional experience for me rather than a, a depth of understanding, which then transitions to the A, there was an absence of moisture. And in Luke, it talks, there's, a, there's no drinking from the Holy Spirit for me. There was this lack of power access from God's Word also. I didn't know how to interpret the Bible. There was a lack of root. There's the L in false. Right. Lack of root or depth in the Christian walk. In Matthew 13, 6, it talks about Faith dries up when persecution comes. So I was all over the place. The S there is the short season of belief, which I did believe. 
Um, and I think in Luke 8, 13, it talks about, you know, we walk and talk, you know, this good game, but we never really truly believed in the heart, never made a real true commitment to Christ, and I easily was distracted by the stresses of life. And I think I found, I wrote here, there are three things that expose the false conversion. I think first was tribulation, you know, when difficulties came, like this cancer or whatever issue in my life before, I think there was a lack of obedience and difficulty. And temptation is a casual way to sin and give in. And finally, number three, a persecution. We don't take a stand for what we believe. And finally, the E in false, you know, there, it was a very euphoric emotional experience for me. I, I don't think, when I reflect back, there was really no fruit in my life. And Jesus clearly says, you'll know them by their fruits. And I think when I look back at my life, at this quote-unquote conversion, I think it was very emotional for me. And I tried, you know, I tried doing this thing. I don't think I ever really had a real experience of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So that's really being transparent with you. And um, so I took an honest look at myself and I examined myself. You know, I wanted to have an assurance of salvation, and I don't think I did. Despite the baptism, going through these processes, going to church consistently, and for me, you know, the behavior in my walk, you couldn't, if you put me next to someone who's a non-believer, most people say, I don't see any difference in your life. I don't see what's different in your life, Marcio. I don't see how your religion is a true religion. And I, I was probably a terrible witness for Christ. Okay. And, um, and that's being very honest with you. When you're talking about this false conversion and how it was exposed to you, it sounds a little bit like it's, it's short-term, two-dimensional, quick, but not deep. Exactly. So you've started to decide to yourself through the journal, through your experience, through whatever means that I'm going to put some depth into this. Yeah. I'm going to figure out what that depth is. What was what happened next for you? I began studying the parables and the gospels. The parables took on a new meaning for me because they were speaking to me. I didn't understand what Christ was saying in these verses before in these 17 years that elapsed. But then the Bible became very real to me. Moving forward, I, I think when I shared with you about what I perceived was true repentance, this weeping, this disgust for how I was living and the desire to want to pursue righteousness, to live for God, to want to be truly committed mm -hmm. and be done with any form of sin that is deliberate or making provision for it because that's not a, that's you can't have one foot in the door and one foot out that's a false gospel so i was living a lie you know you can't do that kind of behavior i think in romans 6 i can remember yeah romans 6 what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound certainly not how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it so I began exploring these elements because now this is real. When your back is up against the wall, you've been diagnosed with a very serious disease. Mm -hmm. You know, I I knew that the decision for Christ was it has eternal consequences behind it. So I wanted to make sure that I don't fall to the trap that I mentioned to you earlier in Matthew 7 
which was the scariest verse for me, Matthew mm-hmm. 7, verse 21 to 23. So I just began to want to live for God. And um, throughout 2019, I began to see a change in behavior. But what's more important was people were saying, man, there's something different about you, man. <laughs> you look happy. I mean, I began, you know, I would tell people, like, how many people do you know with stage four cancer or who have true joy and peace? And they couldn't respond. So I would say, well, let me flip it a different way. How many people do you know without stage four cancer who have true joy and peace? You don't need this disease state to have those gifts. And so, you know, when I was praying to the Holy Spirit, and you know in Galatians, you know, the nine beautiful bouquet, those gifts of the Holy Spirit, love, mm-hmm. joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You don't have to pray for one of those. You're going to get that beautiful bouquet. And so my life began to change. I, I was experiencing joy, but throughout this entire devastating disease state, I wasn't allowing it to cripple me. I had cancer in my body, but cancer didn't have me. So I moved to a state of healthiness. And it wasn't just what I was feeding my body because I changed my whole diet. But what was I feeding my mind? Mm. And I wanted to change. I thought that if there's any possibility of being healed, you know, I wanted to see. And I don't need to test God because at the, ulti- at, at the end of the day, he's either gonna, he can either move to heal or he doesn't have to. Yes. And so what was sobering for me was I didn't want the miracle to be healed to be an idol for me. I wanted to place full trust and hope in the miracle worker, not the miracle itself. So that was sobering for me. And so I can still pray for the miracle, and so can other people. Yes. But the key is, is to continue living a godly lifestyle despite whatever disease state I may have and possess. But I kept moving forward. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to say I didn't have, in those 10 months, I didn't experience one episode of nausea or vomiting. Mm. And I was on some very potent chemotherapeutic drugs. So I just began celebrating every little victory that came my way. And so for me, I had already identified five characteristics of what I perceived to be a false convert. So I wanted to flip it around and say, what are some potential characteristics of a true convert. Of a true convert. Okay. You know? So I began journaling again. You know, I, What are the characteristics of a true conversion? And then I used the acronym TRUE, beginning with T. I, wanted, I began treasuring and cherishing Jesus Christ in my life. And I had experienced what I perceive as the most important, which is the R, repentance with God. And in Matthew 9, verse 12 to 13, that became very real for me. I began to discover that I could possess an unshakable faith in trials or tests, which was the U, and an unshakable faith. And the E for me was the evidence of fruit that would manifest from the Spirit that would be in my life. So there was value in understanding what God was doing in my life. So I was documenting all this behavior because I didn't understand what was going on. The, this, it's not just this, this worldly sorrow. It was a true disgust for how I had lived, but it manifested itself in a weeping and tears. And I found myself beginning to discover that there are at least three elements of repentance. You know, there's that turning to God, there's a turning away from evil or sin, and there's this intent to serve God. And so 
my ministry at the time was, I mean, just being a father and a husband and wanting to perform in that capacity. Mm -hmm. And so I had no idea that this would ultimately become a platform for itself. The platform is cancer, speaking to non-believers and believers. Yes. And here God uses a physician who has a very delicate disease state is this a coincidence that he's using me to help educate other people about cancer? But more importantly, I began to want to use the platform gently to share really about my faith because this is what's going to carry me through this. It's not my faith was not in medicine alone. That's a big misconception. I think God can use that. Yes. I think God can also use you know the talented surgeons. I had three brilliant ones. But for me, you know, the intent to serve God, I had no idea was going to manifest in this capacity. And here we are having this conversation. I never thought I'd be invited to do an interview like this or even <laughs> read from my, my journal. And so for me, I, I, I wanted to comprehend what God was doing in my life because, you know, it, repentance is not something that I think we would default to if that makes any sense. There's nothing that I can do that can change the outcome here. It needs to be a conscious decision. Decision, exactly. So, you know, it, the classic understanding is, all you gotta do is just believe and receive because everything's been done for you. Mm -hmm. But there's this misconception here that if you, all you're doing is believing and receiving but you don't count the cost of being a disciple and you don't move to repentance, I don't, I don't know how one moves to a true salvation perspective. A behavioral change is not repentance, but rather the fruit of repentance. Okay. So, the reason I share that is um, just making the change. Oh, I'm going to repent, God. I'm going to change. I'm going to yes. do this. I'm going to I, 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 and all these I statements. And that's not it. It's the gift of repentance comes from God. He's already chosen us. And so, because He's chosen us, He's going to... He's going to move us to want to choose Him too. And I think it comes through this act of repentance, and that's what I experienced for me through the Holy Spirit. And so Mark Toon, Pastor Mark Toon was a witness to that here, and several others. And uh, at that moment, you know, I don't think salvation is a point in time that I can point back to. In the back, it's a current state, so the verb is not a past tense verb mm -hmm. for me. It's a present tense verb. How am I living now? What's the level of consistency now? Mm -hmm. Is there fruit that's manifesting? The evidence of fruit, and as I mentioned earlier, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That's Matthew 3, verse 8. And I think that's a gem verse for me that I cling on to. There was a, another breakthrough of real evidence of fruit in my life. I didn't have a any communication with my sister for three and a half years. Hmm. And it was over something so stupid and petty. You know, she says, I hope you fail your board exams. And I just decided, you know what, I don't need to deal with this right now. And I just let it linger. And I let it linger. A month turns into a year. A year turns into three and a half. And so who's the first person that I call when I was diagnosed with this devastating news was my sister to want to reconcile that relationship. 
I didn't realize that the first relationship that I actually recognized was with the Lord on a vertical axis. Mm -hmm. And it was remarkable how once you reconcile your relationship with God on a vertical axis, it transcends and translates on a horizontal platform. And I began with my sister first. And she, we just cried a lot over the phone. She's in California. And I just, I begged her to, would you, you know, forgive me? She saw oh, Marcio, we're past that now. Of course, I'm glad you made the first move to call me back. You know, but I harbored a lot of anger, resentment, and bitterness, which then I began to internalize. Did I make a contribution to this cancer? You know, because... Interesting. I, your mind races when you have this kind of diagnosis. I mean, what responsibility and ownership can I take in my contribution here? But having reconciled my relationship with my sister was another evidence of fruit bearing in my life. Because the truth of the matter is, is you know, I, I began to look at the Ten Commandments. So those Ten Commandments moved me to repent. God grants me the gift to truly repent have a disgust for sin. I beg for Christ to come into my life. Holy Spirit comes. It manifests in this form of a true weeping. And there is an absolute assurance that I'm saved. I have no doubt. I don't look back at 2001 and think, oh, was I a convert then or not? It doesn't matter. Right. I know where I stand with God today right now because I'm, I'm actively in the present tense. And as I shared with you earlier, it's a continuous journey. It's not just a one and done and then you have a license to live a hedonistic lifestyle and sin however you want. That's not it. You can't make provision for, self, for sin. I should say, I can't make provision for sin in my life. I can't. I don't want to make this about a you. This is a personal story about me. Right, right. So there was this evolutional journey through 2019 where I began to experience real freedom. I was no longer enslaved to sin like I used to be. I had real freedom. I went to celebrate recovery, thinking that I was going to be. I went initially because I wanted to resolve anger issues and that was six weeks before my diagnosis and I had no idea my wife thinks that I was primed because had I not gone to celebrate recovery before the diagnosis she thinks I would have just flipped out at the diagnosis and just gone into a rage and been just awful and I'll be very honest when I was diagnosed I never cursed God and I never cursed the disease state. And I treated it with the utmost of respect because I had, as I had mentioned earlier in Don't Waste Your Cancer, I think number, can't remember if it was number two or three, but I didn't see this as a curse. It says we waste our cancer if we believe it's a curse and not a gift. So I began changing my mindset. This was not a curse. The cancer for me was a platform for me, and I thank God. And I find it ironic that I'm saying this. I think cancer was one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life. And it's hard to say that for some people because they just want to, they just want to be alive. I just want to just make it go away. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I cried 
I'm here, I'm alive, I'm thriving, I'm doing well. You know, God's going to choose whom he wants to heal and whom he doesn't. And that's what's so sobering in this journey. It's not about being healed here. And I'm, I really want to overly emphasize this. You know, we can't have this mindset where we think that beating cancer means staying alive rather than cherishing Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thesis that God wanted to land me on. I had no idea what I was going through. And in a sense, God wanted to save me. And the way in which I was living, thinking I was saved, I was far from it. So he had a, and it's hard to say this, he had to bless me with cancer. He allowed it to happen. I don't think, I want to make something very clear. I don't think God, it's incapable of God's original design. I don't think cancer was ever a part of God's original design. And I want to be perfectly clear. Okay. I think he allowed it to happen. I think cancer truly is the work of the evil one okay and it's not you know a coincidence that I had two very aggressive cancers that were manifesting in my body at the same time now I want to say this I mentioned to you earlier where had it not been for the colon cancer we would have never discovered the prostate cancer I wouldn't be here in front of you doing this interview if it weren't for the colon cancer. Without the first one. Without the first That's one. Because it was so aggressive. It was more aggressive than the colon. And it's, I have to give props to University of W and Seattle Cancer Care Alliance because that team is absolutely remarkable. One of them just said, you know what, hey, what's that blip there on the prostate? Let's, let's, let's take let's, a look let's at that. Let's take a look at that. And so there's really no coincidence here. I, it's unfortunate you know, what I went through, but I think my body was designed to endure this disease state. And I can only thank God. How is your family doing? Nicole's amazing. Nicole and I really, God blessed us because he drew us closer mm -hmm. through this unfortunate circumstance, if you will, but I still see it as a blessing. And my relationship with our children is intact, I think. I wasn't raised in Christ, you know, I was raised, you know, in a, in a cult, to be honest with you. Okay. And the, what a beautiful privilege it is to want to raise a new generation in Christ. And I beg God, you know, will you please give me the gift of allowing me to raise our children? Because I don't want someone else to take on that responsibility. Nicole needs me, my children need me, and God knows the need, and He's fulfilling it now. And I'm grateful. And I'm also prepared. He can call me home at any time. And I've made peace with that, but I'm here now. I don't live in a state where I'm in a state of anxiety. I just keep living my life moving forward. Is there any last word you'd like to say? Yeah, for coming attractions for 2020. <laughs> um, you know, one of my goals this year is I'm going to flip this on its head, where I, I, I refuse to allow cancer to cripple me. For my body, so I'm going to be doing a triathlon this year. And for my 50th birthday in July, I want to go skydiving. Okay, you already have your hair. <laughs> and now you say for your 50th birthday, I'm, I'm clearly doing something wrong in my life. Um, Dr. Marcio Torre, I sincerely appreciate your time. Thank you so much for everything. And it's going to be our privilege to see where your journey goes from here. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a privilege.
The booklet Marcio referenced is Don't Waste Your Cancer by John Piper, available in paperback, audiobook, and for Kindle readers. This has been Hill Stories, originating at Chapel Hill Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. The opinions expressed are those of the participants for the edification of our listeners and do not necessarily reflect those of Chapel Hill leadership or the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. If you would like more information or to submit an idea for a future episode, our email address is hillstories at chapelhillpc.org. For everyone here at Chapel Hill, I'm David Wilson. Thank you and God bless.